Welcome to the latest edition of the Leaders Performance Podcast, the first of 2018. My name is David Cushnan, Head of Content at Leaders. With me is John Porch, Lead Writer at the Leaders Performance Institute. John, hello. How are you doing, David? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Can we still say that? I think we can. I mean, it's it's still January, right? Yes, you're right. Um, but it's been a busy start to the year already. And in fact, the NBA have been particularly busy because they've uh, brought two of their teams and uh, a hefty group of uh, senior executives over to the UK for their annual uh, regular season game in London. Boston Celtics, Philadelphia 76ers. And uh, John, you were hot on their tail uh, during their week in London. Absolutely, David. I went along to the Landmark Hotel in Marlebone, got to speak to Austin Ainge, Director of Player Personnel at the Celtics. And it was interesting speaking to him because his title is slightly misleading. He's officially Director of Player Personnel, but when I asked him what that actually meant, he said he didn't really know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which, which is curious. Of course, there are a lot of people in the NBA who operate in a similar role, but they don't necessarily have that title. Essentially, he's interested in recruitment, whether that's colleges, free agency, or potential trades. And what else did you uh, get into during your uh, conversation? Well, he talked about how the role is actually like a hobby and a passion for him, that it's something he finds fun. But on the other hand, he says he's constantly bickering and arguing, and that takes on a different dimension with him, because his dad, Danny Age, is in fact the GM of the Celtics. Before we uh, listen in to uh, John's conversation with Austin, a very quick word about uh, what we're working on and gearing up towards um, here at Leaders and within the Leaders Performance Institute. Our latest uh, Sport Performance Summit is uh, heading to Los Angeles, 16th and 17th of March at Red Bull Media House in LA. And if you would like to attend, do be sure to visit leadersinsport.com for all the details and we'll be uh, updating you with news of speakers and various other um, exciting happenings um, over the coming weeks. Shall we get into your uh, conversation with Austin? Absolutely, David. Let's get on with it. Austin, welcome to London and welcome to the Leaders Performance Podcast. Thanks for having me. How has it been so far? How long have you been here? Uh, two and a half days. It's been great. Been able to see the sights a little bit and uh, get out and see London. Beautiful city. Is it your first time in London? It's uh, it's not, but it's my first time really getting to spend uh, some good time seeing all the tourist sights. So. Right. Okay. And of course, you've got the big game tomorrow night. So yes, I'm sure the preparations are well underway by now. Yes. Uh, you know, my role with the team is scouting personnel to join our team. So I scout young players for the draft, I scout players to sign in free agency, and I scout players to trade for. So as far as game day or game preparation, I'm not really involved in that. So this has really been a nice little break for me. Okay. I mean... <laughs> so this is almost vacation-like. Uh, it's a fun little break in my normal routine. And how does it differ from a usual road game, being over here in, in Europe, of course? I mean, the travel is, is different, um, but uh, and there's a little more uh, publicity and, and community events surrounding it, right? It's a kind of a special event here in London for our, for our players. The NBA does a lot of more, they do more marketing things than a normal game. But besides that, uh, pretty normal. Okay, and I wondered if you could please begin by explaining for our listeners uh, your role, outlining what you do and your job title, because I'm sure yeah. it won't be, uh, not everyone will be familiar with it, of course. Yeah, I, you know, my title is Director of Player Personnel, which uh, I don't even know what that means, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> every NBA organization has different uh, 
titles and things. Um, really, I just, I'm uh, my job is to help assemble the roster, give the coaches the best players they possibly can have to uh, to win basketball games. So that's uh, that's watching a lot of games on film, watching a lot of games in person, going over analytics and statistics, and uh, doing a lot of background information on players. And it's really not just a preseason role or just a certain part of the year. You're doing that all year round, I should imagine. All year, all year. There's, uh, you know, I would say often there's in September, maybe there's no basketball being played, but there's a league of, of basketball being played almost year round now. So. And what have been some of the challenges you've faced in the last year or so in your role? Well, I mean, th- there are lots of challenges. Um, you know, we we had a we had the number one draft pick, and we had maximum cap space in the same summer. So those are huge decisions, franchise altering decisions, um, and uh, they both came. You know, we had to make those within a week, and uh, and and so we we prepare all year to be ready. But it's still a lot of stress and pressure, and you know, there's always trades offers coming in, and, and so that was uh, that was a big summer for us, and we feel very good where we ended up with Gordon Hayward with the cap space and with Jason Tatum at the draft pick. Of course, and when you find out that you have the number one pick, how much preparation time do you then have to to plan for that? Well, like I said, we are planning all year for it, but um, it's about a month. A month. Uh, okay. Yeah. We, we have to be prepared, really. There's 60 picks in the draft. We have to be prepared for all of them because you never know. Your pick is on the clock, and boom, you get a trade. comes in, and you, you have to be ready to, to select or to trade it or to move down two spots. It's, just, it's really, uh, we, we prepare all year for a action-packed two hours. And Director of Player Personnel, of course, um, when did you first take the role, and how has that role evolved in that time? Um, I would say, I, I want to say four or five years ago, maybe, I got this position. Um, so you're comfy in your seat, at least. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it hasn't changed a ton. We've added some people, um, some more people for me to supervise in different areas. But um, pretty much it's the same. We, we have a scouting staff that I kind of oversee and make sure we're seeing all the right people and getting the right information um, to make the best decisions. So you mentioned your staff there. Um, mm-hmm. If you could outline for our listeners, please, uh, the recruitment process. You know, do the scouts po- report directly to you? How does that look? Yeah, we we. Um, I mean, it, it's a small group. There's a, there's about six of us, and so we are constantly talking and having meetings and group text, constantly emails. You know, so we're, you know, the formal reporting process we do a little bit of, but we're we're talking so often <laughs> it's almost unnecessary. Um, we're we're all very uh, passionate about our work. It's it's not only our job, it's our hobby and our our passion in life. So we're all very excited to talk and argue and discuss um, all these players all the time. Um, so it you know the hardest part is organizing everybody because it is a giant world of basketball. There are a lot of players to track, so we. We have to be organized with our information. So you, do you find yourself having a combination of formal meetings and then more informal conversations, corridor conversations? Constantly, yes. And, and uh, you know, as we're all traveling around the world watching all these games, it, it, uh, it's an informal group text. Maybe is the uh, most common way we all communicate. <laughs> we're talking a lot. And then how do you take the information that's brought to you and evaluate it? And 
What, what does that look like? Yeah, I mean, we, we have to do some rankings. We have to do lists of different, you know, we have different categories. We have, we have players. There's three ways to acquire a player onto your team. You can either sign them as a free agent, um, you can trade for them, or you can draft them. And, uh, and so we're, we're constantly analyzing those three pools of players and uh, monitoring the changes because that's changing, you know, week to week quite significantly depending on the time of year. And uh, just trying to keep it all organized. We're, we're constantly having to um, prepare. The, the good thing that we have, we have some continuity with our staff. We've all been doing it for quite a while. So, um, so really you have to update your information, but a lot of the information is staying the same. Right. So players that have been playing for 10 years, we know them very well and we can focus more on the new players coming in. So um, it, it really is just keeping that database current and accurate. And where do you find most of your energy and time diverted? Uh, it's a great question. I, I would say I, I spend a big chunk of my time on the new up and coming players, 18, 19, 20 year old players. Um, again, those are the ones I know the least about. Um, I've had the least exposure to because they're all just coming up. So um, we we talk with coaches and managers and strength coaches and friends and agents and, and try to get as much information as we can while we're watching film and watching games in person. So how many players outside of the franchise would be on your radar at any one time? That's a good question. Um, there are, I mean, hundreds and hundreds um, of players, I would say. Probably about 300 in the U.S. college, maybe another 50 in the U.S. minor leagues, and probably another 50 or 60 in European leagues. Um, so there's there's quite a few. And what are you looking for beyond ability on the ball and on the court? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we you always start with the most obvious things, which are the physical characteristics that you're talking about, um, size, strength, length, speed, the, these are the most obvious. And then you progress to skill level, right? Shooting, passing, dribbling, all, all of these things. And then you get into the personal characteristics, personality, work ethic, character, competitiveness, um, life habits, right? Addiction is something that uh, we're quite nervous about. It's uh, just like in society, it's prevalent in uh, in all facets of society, so it's obviously exists in, in basketball as well, and and nothing can der derail a career faster than, you know, substance abuse. So th these are all things we try to investigate. And I read recently that when the San Antonio Spurs are recruiting, they'll have a sheet in front of them with all the different boxes they want to tick, and there's actually a box that says "not a spur," which they will tick if that <laughs> player is not quite for their team. Do you have anything like that at all? Yeah, I mean we we. Nothing quite so formal as that, but we we do our best to discuss this player's behavior, um, you know, with their current team and past teams, and see if we want them to be a part uh, of our team going forward. Right, and our listeners may not be aware that the Celtics GM is your father. Yes. Um, what are some of the pros and cons of that scenario for you? Um, you know, he is the easiest person to work for he gives all of us not just me lots of freedom um, he's done a good job of attracting people that are just passionate we would all be doing this even if it wasn't our job so so it uh, it makes it easy we we I really don't have any hard things it's it's been very smooth and easy I, I have some friends that work for their fathers where it's 
constant <laughs> battles, but uh, but it's been uh, it's been great um, for me personally, and uh, and the staff has been very supportive as well. So on a professional note, yeah, uh, when it comes to um, formulating recruitment strategies, um, how mm-hmm. will you liaise with with your father? Well, um, I mean, it, it's it, just like with the rest of our staff, we bicker and fight about and argue about players all day. <laughs> we all have our opinions, and, and uh, part of that uh, discussion process helps us to realize um, if we need to investigate more or wh- where we all stand, if we're in agreement, if we're in disagreement. And uh, that, that really helps flesh out our opinions and helps our decision-making process. For instance, if, uh, if my father really likes a player and I don't like them at all, and he explains to me why, and I fight with him a little bit. And I go, you know what? Maybe I should. Maybe I'll go. I respect his opinion. I'll go back and I'll watch some more. And I may come back and I'll say, "You were right. I was wrong." Or "I'm right. You need to go watch some more." Right? I mean, these are the these are the fights we all have, and that's with everyone on staff. So, so is it common enough for you and your staff to perhaps be talking about a player, a potential prospect, mm-hmm. and perhaps somebody makes you think about somebody you hadn't considered before? Oh, absolutely. All the time. All the time. Yeah. I mean, there's there. We we have members on staff who are more focused on individual leagues or geographical areas. So there are many times when, uh, for instance, our international scout has seen a certain player in France more than I have. So when he tells me when, when I say I'm not loving what I'm seeing from this guy and he says, I think he's a little better than you're saying. You should go watch again. I will absolutely take that under advisement. He's seen him more than I have. And same goes for our guys that are focused more on the G League or the West Coast of U.S. College, right? So we're all, um, and there's times when I've seen a lot more of other guys. And, you know, so it it all just, we have different areas of strength on our staff. So uh, you you have to listen or you'd be crazy. And where does the ratio sit between... Uh, staff operating in the U.S. and North America and staff operating overseas? Almost all of us are based in North America. We have uh, two international scouts, um, but uh, the rest are in North America. I mean, we still have U.S. college, G League, and NBA is still a, a very, you know, the majority of our players come from that those three um, groups, and, and then we have a couple people scouting internationally. But uh, I come over to Europe five times a year to watch games and, and uh, other members are on our staff come over as well. So um, it, it's an international game. And which leagues are on your radar over in Europe? All of them really. Uh, it, 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 it really is um, about where the talent is. Um, th- there are some leagues that, you know, France, Spain, Germany, Italy, Greece, Israel, and uh, Serbia and Croatia are stops we make every year. And then, um, and then every now and again, there'll be a player from outside of those countries that, oh, I, and I forgot Turkey. Turkey's another big league. Um, outside, of, you know, every now and again, there's, you know, but there, there's multiple leagues within each of those countries. So of course, of it, course. it just depends. Uh, you know, the, the national federations do a good job of selecting players for us. Um, for instance, the, let's take uh, uh, Italy. They will have a junior national team. Right, they'll have an under nineteen, an under eighteen, an under seventeen team, and they narrow down the pool for us. They do the work of narrowing down the best 12 18 year olds in their country, and that helps us a lot. We can see them in one place. So we do a lot of uh, junior national tournaments to help us um, identify players as well. 
And you've said there can be hundreds of players on your radar at any one time. Oh, yeah. That, of course, comes with its attendant data. Um, how important is data in modern NBA recruitment? It's very important. Um, we we look at it, we use it as checks and balances for our opinions. Um, and uh, we, we've invested a lot of money and a lot of time to gather as much data as we can. And, and we've uh, hired some very smart people to help us analyze it. And uh, we, like most NBA teams, look a lot at uh, the data and we have models to help predict which players will be the best. And where does the balance lie between objectivity and subjectivity, the naked eye and what the numbers tell you? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it would probably vary person to person if you ask, but everyone on our staff uses both and uh, one supports the other, right? It's just like uh, the discussions I was talking about with another scout's opinion. If, um, if our draft model says that this player is really good and I don't think he's very good, I will l listen to that model and I will go back and watch and try to um, see what the model is seeing, right? And sometimes I'll agree and sometimes I won't. And, uh, and there's you know, lots of shades of gray in there, but, uh, but that's, that's the balance in the fight. So there's still scope for you to go with your gut on occasion. Oh, absolutely, and 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 gut is uh, is is probably not the right word. Probably more, um, the you know, thousands of hours of video that we've watched and game um, in person and background information that perhaps the model or the statistics can't see all of that information, right? So, and there's things that the model can see that I can't see. So we we, we try to use them all together. You mentioned the stats there and some of the staff you brought on board to help with all the number crunching, as it were. Yeah. Uh, was that a hard sell to the staff that had been there for years doing things in a more traditional fashion? I feel like um, there's been a gradual acceptance amongst basketball people of analytics over the last 10 years. Um, some people adapted very much quicker than others. My father and our coach, Brad Stevens, have been very open to it, so that it hasn't been a big issue on our staff. Whatever we've been able to have, we will use. And what about in the locker room? Do the players find it useful? The, the players, um, I, I think the players find it useful, but we give it to them in a very digestible form. And um, it's not like we're giving them spreadsheets with numbers, right? We're telling them, hey, you, you would be more effective if instead of standing at 20 feet for a two-point shot. If you took one step back for 23 feet for a three-point shot, your percentages are equal from those both those points, but you get a full point more for the you know simple things like that that uh, are 101 for, for most of us in basketball, but those things are easily communicated to the players. And will Brad Stevens and his colleagues come to you with a particular question and then you have to go away and solve it? Um, yes. Well, they, they come to our analytics staff for, with questions all the time um, that they would like solved. Um, for me, more focused on the personnel side, they will come to me often and say, hey, we need another shooter, <laughs> right? Find me the best shooter. And that, that, that certainly is a, is, is, a, is a constant thing. Yeah. And of course, you're in the middle of another incredible season, in spite of the horrific injury to Gordon Hayward, of course. But mm -hmm. you've also had one of the youngest rosters in the NBA. I think I read the other day that it's on average, or something like 24.38 years old. It's, it's incredible. I mean, what enables such a talented bunch of youngsters to compete so readily against often older players? Well, the first credit goes to the players. We, we uh, are lucky to have had some very mature 
youngsters uh, that were ready to play. I mean, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have been tremendous this year and more ready than, than we could have ever expected. And uh, obviously the next credit goes to our coaching staff, who has done an amazing job of getting them prepared and putting them in positions to succeed. Um, and uh, and then there's always good fortune with everything. There's always you know, lots of good fortune, and we, we've had some uh, trades and things that have where that not only was it good fortune to be able to execute the trade, but the best case scenario of the trade happened. <laughs> and, and, uh, that means we were able to get high draft picks and, uh, and that, that is, you know, certainly allowed us to draft the, these very talented young men. And when you bring these talented young men onto your roster and you see how they perform throughout the course of the season, does that then inform your recruitment process going forward? Do you say, well, these guys, they have these qualities. We hadn't perhaps considered that before. That's a, refine our process further yeah I mean there's there's always uh, consideration of fit on your roster to build a team you can't draft all point guards right um, you can't draft no one who can shoot um, and then there's sometimes where you say the talent is so overwhelming that fit doesn't matter we'll fit around this person so um, all, all of that has to be considered and of course you've seen and done it all by now and there's always an element of risk when you're recruiting but are there particular pitfalls you need to guide against when it comes to rookies and youngsters? Oh, I, I mean, I think that they're, um, I, I mean, it's a sliding scale of talent and, uh, and personal character, you know, work ethic and competitiveness. And I, I feel like uh, it's, it's always scary to, to chance any player that doesn't love basketball and love to work and really want to get better. And that, that's a hard thing to measure. <laughs> and that's a hard thing to discover. Um, but uh, I, I feel like if you can get players that, uh, that are willing to, to go the extra mile and, and all the other cliches you want to say, um, I think they have a better chance of success, which is obvious. So are older players still coachable? Players in their mid to late twenties perhaps? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. I, I I think the uh, most NBA players really want to succeed, and um, they will. The, the amount of time they put in is tremendous, off the court, um, in season, out of season. It, it really is amazing how much time they put in. And where do you see the future of talent evaluation and management in the next, say, five to ten years? That's a great question. Um, I feel like. Uh, I feel like it will change if technology changes. Um, there, right, right now, we are able to get video um, from almost any game in the world um, that we want, and um, we can get data from most everywhere that we want. Um, if the data streams, you know, for analytics, you can only do so much with the data you have. So if we're able to get way more data, that will change what we do. If we are stuck at our current levels of data and video, then that's then, then I don't think there'll be radical changes. And is it still a case of trying to work out what the data can actually tell you? Uh, are you still at that stage where you don't necessarily have the refinement there? Yeah, I mean, for instance, um, some leagues in the world, we are able to get simple box score data, points, rebounds, assists, steals, these type of things, right? Um, the NBA, we have these high-speed cameras in every one of our arenas that gives us um, 
thousands, hundreds of thousands of data points for each player, the ball, their movement during every game. And so we can do infinitely more with the data we get in the NBA than we can with the data we get from outside the NBA. So, for instance, if Europe, if college, if they install these cameras or some other way to get similar data, we will be able to do a lot more. But there's only so much your analytics staff can do with limited data sets. So it, it'll change a lot if, if that changes. But uh, right now, I think it'll continue much as it has. So with regards to the NBA there, you mentioned yeah. there's different data points that are available. Yes. Does each and every team have access to that? Yes. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's really kind of an arms race right now um, how every team uses this. It's relatively new in the last uh, half dozen years, and um, we're all trying to use it the best way we can. Um, you know, th th there's amazing things. We can, we can tell, we can identify play types just with machine learning. The, the computer can identify all these things. There's, there's tons of things we can do um, that used to require individual people charting or marking plays as they go. And, uh, and we can do that on a team level, on an individual basis. So we, really, anything you can dream up that, that we want to measure, we can teach the computer to measure um, with, uh, with these new data sets. And compared to your opponents, your rivals, where does the level of confidentiality start? Just so I can understand a picture of we, It's kind of, we all have similar, we all have the same data sets coming in. So we all know what data we have coming from, from these cameras. There are a couple third-party companies that most NBA teams subscribe to that will break it down um, at a basic level. So there is a basic uh, level that we all can kind of share, that we all are aware of. And then after that, whatever each team is able to develop, they develop. And then it gets very confidential. <laughs> Naturally. Yes. <laughs> and what will you need to achieve in your role? this season for it to be deemed a personal success? <sighs> you know, it, it's a very hard question because most of the decisions I make are not judged for multiple years. <laughs> or we won't, I won't know if what I did was correct for, you know, sometimes three years, sometimes six months, you know, but, it, but it's, it's not an immediate feedback. And, and so, uh, that's a, that's a hard question for me. I, I mean, I, uh, some of the decisions that I made three years ago may be coming due. <laughs> uh, but, um, but yeah, no, I, uh, the, the team success is always uh, the most important thing, but uh, that doesn't necessarily reflect on, you know, the, the team is ultimate. We, we put together the team, so that's, that's the easy answer. But uh, individual decisions are, uh, there's a time lag. Austin Ainge, thank you very much and very good luck for tomorrow night. Thank you. It was great, great to do this.